welcome to From the Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes, where I'm trying not to go so hot on the audio this time. That's Clay. And that's Orca's giant boobs, just all up in your bro. Just the, yeah, just the weirdest. Like, there's a there's a lot going on in that artwork. There's a lot of signaling. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about rogues galleries, because of course... That's what everyone brings up when they talk about characters like Batman and Spider-Man, about how they have excellent, deep benches of villains and opponents, worthy things that generate story around them. Oh, it's... Do they, though? Kinda. Yes and no, right? Because, I mean, here's the thing, right? The superhero narrative is one of, like, continuance, right? What does a character do? They fight crime. So who is crime becomes the next question. You know, who, what, when, where, and why... Who is crime becomes, you know, manifested in singular entities that are interesting that you want to hear about and read about and watch. And that's awesome. And it's only as good, you know, they'll say a hero is only as good as their villains. And like to a certain degree, yes. But also some characters persist with like really shitty rogue scouting or none to speak of, really. You know, Uh, the Punisher persists and fucking jigsaw and bushwhacker and barracuda suck ass fuck those guys you know uh green arrow persists wonder woman persists black panther has two claw maybe and maybe killmonger and <laughs> <laughs> look you want to watch mabaku the black ape the white ape oh that's fucking <laughs> The most impressive thing Your you Honor, did. I, you did. I just want to hold up in my defense. Clay just said Killmonger in a serious conversation. Bitch, you about to say Killmonger in a serious movie this year, this week. Oh, no. He mongs the kills. Eric Killmonger. Yeah, that's that's not a that's not a good superhero name. Yeah, like Zebediah Kilgrave. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> that award-winning show with Zebediah Kilgrave in it. So... The nature of a rogue's gallery as it presents to a story is, from a writer's perspective, it gives you a variety of options and a lot of work that's already been done for you. Typically speaking, when you're, uh, when you want to make a superhero story, you usually want to make it a battle between agents. You don't want it to be person versus object. You want, well, to, to use, to use the classic structure of person versus object, person versus nature, person versus himself, it's usually person versus person in the context of superhero comics, because even even natural disasters are usually in some way a story element that's framed as being about the person who caused it, because you can cause natural disasters. So what this means is that for any given superhero story where you're, uh, where you're actually trying to posit, all right, I want to see, I want to write a story where this character does this thing, what's the thing that kicks it off? Where's the instigation come from? A rogues gallery gives you a lot of excuses for that, but also even in a very samey rogues gallery like Batman's, each different way you take a story will have a different effect on it. Um, and, and that's so, so effectively you get kind of a library of possible useful story chunks. Cause think about, think about this in the context of Batman. If, if there's a story you want to do that's about the planting of a bomb in a central location that's, that Batman then needs to solve. If that bomb was planted by the Penguin, the Riddler, the Joker, or Condiment Man, they all give you a different style of story, even if they all are definitely people who would plant a bomb in an important location. 
Yeah, and that's the thing too. There, a lot of times, they're just they're these pieces that you can just put in, and they're these pieces that are attached to this. You know, it's it's a Batman story, so you know who's gonna be in it, unless you want to be extra fucking clever, but or you want to you know show how great you are, create your own new thing, and make the story even longer than it ever needed to be. But you know, it's uh. <sighs> We talk about, like, and there's these long, long, long uh, narratives of, you know, these characters have been around for a long time. And they've assembled a lot of, like, this back in the day. And this is how these long-established characters have these big rogues galleries. Is, it used to just be a new villain every week. And whoever, whatever book sold the most, the character in that book would come back. And back and back and back. And that forms your rogue gallery. But there's a lot of motherfuckers who showed up once. And it's like, you're not in the, you're not, you're not actually in here, man. You know? As much as, you know, yeah, it's Condiment King. Condiment King showed up in one episode, bro. Like, <laughs> if somebody else wants to. Ha- I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to make fun of these characters. <laughs> it's on that weird side. Because, you know, taking, taking pot shots at the, at the very silly, uh, kind of, characters that crop up and become part of the canon when you're dealing with a a hundred year long history of a creative work is a little mean and a little extra yeah i mean it's also sort of this angle of like i'm not even necessarily making fun of them because one of the coolest things i think if you have like other levels of characters who need more push and you're sitting here thinking man i could use these bits and pieces from over here that aren't doing much but are cool and use them to promote something. It's why I was telling you earlier about uh, Sabretooth. Like, hey, Sabretooth is one of Wolverine's most important villains. And half of the things that made Sabretooth, I mean, uh, made Wolverine such a big character, he probably owes to Sabretooth. A lot of Wolverine's biggest stories involve him. Mm. He is an Iron Fist villain. He appeared in issue of Power Man and Iron Fist. And he was basically used to promote Wolverine in that way. And why not? Who cares? I, w- I would just like to say we we did record. Like I did not know this, so don't don't take my passive silence as like. Well, of course, I, an intellectual, knew that Sabretooth came from Iron Fist. No, I had no earthly clue. And if you'd been here on the mic about fifteen minutes ago, you'd have heard me going, "What the fuck?" Yeah. So you know. Yeah, it's a random. You're detail. not alone. There's a lot of shit like that, and it's again. It's not. It's not necessarily. Oh, this character's lame. Or this character's good. But I don't really care. The character does it fit? And do you work in that like slot? You know, because heroes hmm. have a tendency to go up against certain types, right? Like they have their archetypes that a lot of their villains fit into, and and sometimes you have that one weird outlier motherfucker. They're like you don't work here. You just around. You know, and. You look mm. like you belong somewhere else. Like, I'll argue all day that Captain Boomerang should be a Green Arrow villain. Because, like, yeah. that's a perfect... You can just imagine the fights. Like, without even... Like, the jokes and the... Like, it just writes itself, right? And... In in the same way that our earlier episode on the multiverse referred to the idea that Daredevil is not someone who can interact with multiple dimensions... The Flash is honestly not a character who should be worried about interacting with a hand-thrown small piece of metal, as opposed to, you know, Green Arrow, who has to, you know, shoot bits of metal at people. Right. And, like, again, that that whole bit writes itself, and there's a whole bunch of shit. And, you know, the, the response that we've had about that is, 
oh, well, Captain Boomerang's a joke character, and we treat him as such, and that's fine. But Green Arrow has, like, two great stories, you know? He had, you know, hard-traveling heroes, which he had to borrow someone else's hero to tell. And I, Nasty. I, am I wrong? <laughs> I'm... No, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying nasty. <laughs> and I guess we could say Longbow Hunters was like the two biggest, like, uh, Oliver Queen stories. And imagine if we took Captain Boomerang or even his son, who was having all this sh- shit going on with Tim Drake, and put him in, say, Connor Hawk's book. Connor Hawk might have lasted longer, right? Mm. Or Arsenal. What the fuck's Arsenal was doing? He needs a, 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 a rival, you know? A strong, he needs his version of Merlin because that's like the biggest villain Green Arrow ever had, really. Like, yeah, that's kind of it. Like, I mean, there are other stories that have come and gone, but like, do you know Onomatopoeia? No, no, nobody does. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. Like, the the scale of a character tends to relate to the scale of their rogues gallery. I know Batman and Batman's rogues gallery. But in no small part, that is tied to the fact that those characters are really, really prominent. Right. And then it becomes like a party trick to say, well, I, you know, sure, you may know about, uh, you you may know about the Joker and the Riddler, but have you ever heard of the Clock King? And it's like, or Turner D Century? Like, there is a certain comedic fodder in in the ridiculousness of these things. Yeah, and that's that's like a size and depth thing, right? That's just yeah. the fact that he's so big that he has all this shit nobody cares about. And- like, Deadpool has a rogues gallery. And given the nature of Deadpool, they're mostly other losers already. Yeah. That's also the thing, too. It's like, does every character in a superhero narrative or story... Because, again, like, you know, as I will argue to very specific people who are listening to this right now about the X-Men not being superheroes, like, they have rogues galleries. But, mm. like... Does every does every character in a superhero setting need that? You know, like so. Uh, if I if I can make an argument here as a storytelling tool, I would suggest that a rogues gallery should be a function of a container. Mm. All right, I'm listening. So let's take for example Batman. For the most part, Batman's rogues gallery are people who are, for some reason, obsessed with interacting with Batman. Like, the Penguin has money. If the Penguin wanted to, the Penguin could move down the road to Bloodhaven and, you know, set up there. Now, part of the rationale of not doing that is that, you know, Bloodhaven is just so much tougher than, than the Penguin can handle, which is silly, but still. Um, but the Penguin does still hang out and do stuff in Gotham and honestly doesn't really do anything else anywhere else. Mm. Like, he's not a, a multifaceted villain. He is explicitly about that one spot. Um, the container of the Batman rogues gallery is an interest in and a desire to defeat Batman. You could see it in the way... You, no, no, you could see it in the way that a lot of the Batman villains of the rogues galleries frame their existence as it relates to Batman. Riddler wants to outsmart him, Joker wants to break his spirit, Killer Croc wants revenge. They, they all have Batman as part of what holds them in that rogues gallery. Right? See, I don't know if I work with that, because, like, A, there's plenty of types of villains in a rogues gallery that don't give a fuck about the, the hero, but who keep running into him, you know? Like, I don't yep. think Killer Croc has a, like, he dislikes Batman, but he's mostly just trying to do his shit. Like, he's just trying to go about his business, I would say. Yeah. Well, to use another example, though, Spider-Man's rogues gallery is mostly contained by the city. 
uh, Ollie Queen in the Arrowverse, um, more so than, you know, Green Arrow in, in the greater comics universe, because he's got, like, connections to the Justice League and stuff. But in, in the Arrowverse, uh, Ollie's container is the city, and that means that the rogues gallery tends to be also, in some way, related to or connected to that city. You don't get characters who travel around a lot or go anywhere, um, or don't have a high profile tend to get, tend not to get rogues galleries. They tend not to be able to get obsessed or, or focused on a character the same way. See, I don't know, cause I feel like it definitely makes the narrative work better if you have members in the gallery who aren't pursuing the hero, or again, mm. who continuously cross paths with the hero because that's just the nature of their life. I'm doing bad things, you stop bad things, we're gonna meet and yeah but why are they gonna meet what 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 keeps them in relationship to one another why doesn't killer croc go elsewhere he knows he knows gotham he he knows those sewers that's his space like yeah and in that case you could point to him as a character who is contained by the perimeter of the actual city itself yeah yeah. there aren't that many of them in in batman's rogues gallery but killer croc like if you go with vengeful beast killer croc as opposed to turf defending killer croc you know and that's that's a choice yeah. that's a choice yeah i i don't know that's that whole idea of like are, again are you in theme and are you working cuz like if you're the type of character who would naturally cross paths with your hero that can like write itself so i mean and again you're a writer everything's creating but just the sense that if you mm-hmm. create the type of characters who are constantly coming into contact with your hero then even if they don't have a personal issue with that hero they'll still find their way across each other you know yeah. it's the whole thing of you know is is there is spider-man constantly fighting cosmic threats no like not in his own narrative so that, that you know those kind of villains aren't in his gallery so to speak uh, on a related front to that question is can do you feel a character can be part of two people's rogues galleries or are rogues galleries kind of personalized it hmm, hmm. That's, that's the hmm this is what we were talking about with like mysterio and daredevil and what have you like it's the, it's the issue of like the weight of the things that you do right like if you do really mm-hmm. important if i do a really really like seminal you know definitive arc with you know villain a and hero b and then i do another equally important arc with villain a and hero c who does he belong to right yeah and and in many cases what you're talking about there are characters who do not in fact belong to anyone they are just characters moving through the space to be i I, i'm i basically think i think what i'm talking about here is the idea that a rogues gallery needs to be represented in a way that you can say oh yeah those characters all in a way uh belong to slash are connected to this hero oh for sure like it's it you're not if you're not attack if you're not gonna always pop up in that other character story are you not you're just part of the general space the thing is like the idea of floaters like that is cool like in a shared universe like i don't know how i feel about floaters because because you know i always feel like they end up being becoming like villains of you know the avengers or the justice league like are you like do major teams like that like do established teams like the justice league and the avengers themselves have their own rogues gallery like independent yeah or are they cosmic threats or whatnot so i guess the way i would i would describe a a rogues gallery for my own like utilitarian purposes and the way that that differs from just having available villains is that a rogues gallery has that container 
has some reason to be directly associated to and regularly exposed to a particular hero, mm. and some sort of thematic assonance that makes them relate to them. In, mm. in Spider-Man's case, this is almost always really easy. Uh, because Spider-Man's character, Spider-Man's villains, almost all the best ones are, here. here is something about Spider-Man amped up in the wrong way. Yeah, and we can look at um, most of Batman's villains as just being, like, variants of, like, the sort of, like, Dick Tracy crime mob villain, villain that he used to have before, and then just, like, a lot of scientists who have gone wrong, like, people of, like, genius who have decided to do wrong things with themselves, there's only, like... <laughs> there's, a, there's a great uh, that gag from the uh, second Lego Batman game where they're like Two Face and Joker and Clayface, all these dudes with weird faces, and that's like yeah, dudes with weird faces. That's Batman's like <laughs> entire fucking thing. Yeah, in, in and and by the way, as far as like a point of assonance with with uh, Batman, you can point out the fact that Batman is a weird person with a very normal face, whereas a lot of these villains with the weird faces are very normal people reacting to how a weird face gets you treated (laughs) but uh, yeah it's the we can look at the flashes villains who are all like really like mostly just kind of these fun like dudes using tech to do it's weird because like most of his villains a yeah and this is the thing about like power creep right where most of his villains are like no you like his actual they call themselves the rogues they are the rogues gallery. Yeah. They like have a club, and some of them have like benefits and like an insurance yeah. policy and shit, and like a, a, a rule set. They like there's a whole fucking thing with these guys, right? Like maybe two of them make any kind of sense being Flash villains. Like there's like fifty guys who are like, I invented this gun that shoots weird things. I guess I'll fight physics itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. Captain Boomerang is basically a thief with a gimmick. Uh, he, he's a burglar. Like, there's there's nothing really... Like, he's not even very smart. There's not a lot of assonance there. So when you when you tell people, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Captain Boomerang is a Flash villain, you usually get a response of, really? The guy from the Suicide Squad? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> who's, who's heard of Captain Boomerang aside from people like us? <laughs> That's the... Okay, so that sort of indicates the sort of nature of the narrative, the type of stories they were telling with The Flash, where The Flash was never, like, even like even back in the original, like, super... Like, uh, let's say, Batman stories, people died. Like, sometimes off-camera, some on-camera, but there was, like, genuine menace going on. So you have this sort of space of type of villain Batman could have. The Flash, those were always really, like, fun adventures. So... All of his villains were just like, look at this funny, dumb gimmick, you know? That's, like, their whole deal. And that's, you know, the, narr- the, the genre, like, matured, so to speak. They're still just kind of there. And, like, they've grown in interesting ways, but they're still just kind of like, hmm. Like, you're, you're, you match a type of Flash that is not the one you're fighting anymore. Not even on, a, like, a power level. Just the sense that Flash has died once or twice, and you're not the sort of character who's in stories where people die but you have to be now you know and that's the whole thing of the original flash's whole backstory not having death and they added that to him with his mom and my yada yada it's <laughs> uh it can look at characters that have very like limited like groups we can look at characters like you know daredevil who has maybe like because he has villains 
But does he have a rogues gallery? How much of these guys are coming back, right? You know, let's see who comes back in Daredevil. Bullseye comes back. Uh, Typhoid Mary comes back. Uh, well, Wilson Fisk comes back. And those are his. I Those are his people. Mm. I wouldn't... You say, yeah, Wilson Fisk is... Uh, he, he affects the universe as a whole. He pops up in people's shit all the time. But, you know, you see him in an issue of fucking Darkhawk. You're like, hey, it's a Daredevil villain, right? Like, you wouldn't say... That's like, that's like the idea of uh, superhero families, almost, where if this character shows up in the narrative, it's not a weird, like, outlier. It's like, no, yeah, he's here. That's how that would work. And if they showed up in someone else's book, they'd say, oh, it's one of those, right? If Darede- if Bullseye shows up in someone else's book, you're like... Oh hey, it's it's a fucking bullseye. I do believe showed up in the uh, the Hawkeye book, and it's like, hey, aren't you supposed to be fighting Daredevil? <laughs> Isn't that your thing? It's like, nah, they paid me. I'm in for that ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that's one of the things about that container element. Um, to use to to use uh, the to to use the example of Deadpool's Rogues Gallery, which you know he, he technically has one. Um, but, uh, to use his, he fights a lot with Bullseye, and he fights a lot with, uh, with, uh, oh god, uh, Constrictor. <laughs> and that particular set of conflict is usually motivated within the spectrum of those characters on a professional level. That's the whole thing, too. If you're, like, the different types of villains you see in a rose gallery, like, who needs to fill what roles can also just, like, determine how likely they are to pop out outside the context because like professional professional criminal characters if they show up in someone else's book like doing a crime you're like well yeah yeah he robs banks presumably he yeah, robs, that, that's presumably he robs banks elsewhere you know but like there are villain like the the reverse flash if if the reverse flash shows up in like a fucking like uh fucking dead man book you're like the fuck why you exist just to hate the flash why are you here and he has to he has to immediately come up with a this is why this is related to a flash explanation for his entire existence if he shows up in a random ass you know issue of etrigan or blue beetle you're like no well you have one you do one thing you're not you existing here means you're not doing your thing you serve no purpose right and like that's sort of the nemesis right the one who i only like and that's a weird thing, too, because that's kind of Sinestro, but Sinestro very clearly has his own shit going on these days, right? Yeah, there's there's um, there's um a there's a complicated extra axis there when a character is, like, the, the container for them is obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of cases, um, do, do you remember uh, Injustice? Mm, yeah. There was a there was a thing about how Injustice was. Oh, what if what if the Joker decided to be bat to decided to take on Superman instead of Batman? It was like, well, gotcha. <laughs> he'd probably get completely wrecked, incredibly easy, incredibly quickly because he's basically a crook. There was a fucking like. Uh, have you ever read or know much about Emperor he, Joker? He's a crook who wanders around with a unique chemical, trying to hide from a dude who has super duper super scent. <laughs> <laughs> and a dog they can find him for. <laughs> yeah, like there, there, there isn't actually an interesting story there, and attempting to mash them think those things together diminishes both the characters because suddenly Joker is in a position to try and attack Superman psychologically, and that whole thing got incredibly misogynistic and creepy. Uh, so you've never read Emperor Joker? I'm assuming this is a Superman book. 
where no. uh, the no. general gist of it is uh, Joker like came into contact with Mister Mixes Pitlet, uh, you know that guy, and mm-hmm. somehow like finagles his way into getting fourth dimension imp powers and just you know makes everything wrong. Like the whole universe, like Superman wakes up and he's a bad guy and he's in a prison and he has to break out every day and like fail. You know, they they send them back, and all the villains mm-hmm. are the heroes, and all the heroes are like shitty versions of themselves. Like Aquaman is an actual fish. You know, mm-hmm. I hear you. Um, uh, and like every day at like twelve p.m., there's just this horrible fucking scream that everyone in the world hears, and it like goes on for an hour. And like, what the fuck is that? Guess what the fuck it is? Just guess. I'm. I have no idea. No, it, Robin. No, it's Batman. This is a Superman book, and the, like, the ultimate, like, defeat of the plot, where he, like, this is Joker with control of the universe, right? And Joker's like, I'm fucking, I am eternity, the fuck are you gonna do? He's like, look, right there, he's like, what? He's like, look on your, look on your fucking shirt, and he looks down, and there's Batman just dying over and over again. Like, like, yeah, fuck it, isn't it funny? It's like, you're so fucking great, and you hate Batman so much, but, like, he's still there. You could have just made Batman not be. Like, you can't stop thinking about Batman, right? And, like, despite the fact that this is that story, hey, what would how would a Bat, you know, Superman versus Joker story play out? It's still, like, all of the biggest plot beats in that story are about Batman, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You should, like, you know, that's a whole thing about, you know, overexposure Batman, whatever, whatever, but, like, that's all that character is. Like, if fucking Mr. Freeze showed up in a Superman story, it would just be Mr. Freeze versus Superman. And they'd have, like, ice fights and shit, you know? It'd be, like, a dueling cold breath versus cold gun thing. It'd be a bunch of just those two characters, and they're, like, specifics. Like, Lex Luthor would most certainly get involved. Like, oh, this is a very impressive device you had. And, like, there'd be, like, a bunch of ball jokes going back and forth. There'd be, there's a whole thing there, because, yes, Mr. Freeze hates Batman, but he's probably not obsessed with Batman. He has his own goals and his own, you know, agenda. Uh, in in fact, in the case of um, in the case of Mister Freeze, he again can, the container thing keeps coming up in my mind because it's not that he's it's not that Mister Freeze is necessarily uh, uh, stuck in Gotham um, un, uh, as a as an entity. But he is bound to stay in Gotham because that's where his wife is. Mm-hmm. And that means that one of the problems of his entire existence is dealing with Batman nonsense. Oh, yeah. Like, you get that story. Um, one of the best, like, renditions of, like, the different sort of archetypes personality-wise that you've ever seen is uh, in Spectacular Spider-Man, the cartoon, right? All mm-hmm. of the... the Sinister, it's the Sinister Six episode. We have gotten all of our villains. They've done things. They've broken out of prison. They're all together. And... Because they're just so badass, and this is a universe with no, as far as we can tell, other superheroes, they just go into, like, they walk into a restaurant, and they all sit down, like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And they all sit down and talk. And, like, the staff are like, uh, here? And they just give them stuff. <laughs> and, but they're yeah. all sitting there, and like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get Spider-Man! Yo, right, calm the fuck down. Fuck Spider-Man. <laughs> and like two of them are like we yeah, have to yeah, get yeah. Spider-Man and two of them are like we have to get Osborn and two of them are like yo I just want to get paid and like Dr. Osborn has to like take the arms out like put them on like five guys shoulders like yo alright I'm the smart one yep I have the plan <laughs> like Adrian yeah. Adrian we're colleagues you gonna go with me on this you know 
So I guess, I guess in a way, I don't mean container as much as I mean a a a, a territory, as it were. Like there are lots of different reasons things belong in that territory, but they all do have to have some reason to be kind of bound together. And usually, if you've got one character who you can say, "Oh well, this character belongs here because of this idea," you can then say, "All right, but what would a different version of that idea look like?" So you wind up with, well, I, sometimes it means you wind up with a rogues gallery that features two or three electric characters. But <laughs> you know, uh, but, but you know, you, you can. I mean, heck, just look at look at um again to use Batman as an example. The Riddler and the Joker are the same basic idea. They are a crook who gloats. And <laughs> and we can think about that. Like, what's the best Riddler story you ever heard? <laughs> uh, it's a movie called Phone Booth. <laughs> no, but for real. I'm only kind of joking. Like, the most interesting thing the Riddler ever did was be a narrative device for a collectathon in a video game. Like, mm. like that was like, yeah, yeah, that that that's a that thing makes sense. That's what the Riddler would do, and it, you know, it's a thing video games do these days. Perfect. Oh, also, <laughs> to to be fair to the Riddler, he he is also a a fairly well used component in the Adam West specific uh, uh, Batman series because in that one he is kind of a goofy weirdo, but that's not inappropriate. <laughs> Like, that's, that series was about, you know, Batman solving problems through the most twisted of, uh, of moon logic, and occasionally you'd get these amazing moments where he'd, you know, see through a really silly riddle. And it was all, it was all just in aid of the, of the Riddler supposedly being smarter than Batman, but you might notice he never used these riddles to, like, set up a trap or anything like that. Yeah. Or, or, or gave a riddle that was actually completely wrong, and then Batman will end up going in the wrong direction. It's, Honestly, like, again, this is the idea of, like, are you re- redundant sometimes, right? Because I can Yeah, imagine- I mean, don't get me wrong, I am at this point just rubbishing on the Riddler, but to be fair, his whole thing is slightly easier to catch criminal. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, there's a place, again, it's like, it's like Captain Boomerang. You know what, Riddler? I mean, you've been, I think Riddler's too fucking entrenched at this point, but anything's possible, right? I can see him going somewhere else and being, like, a genuine problem for someone else, you know? Just inside the context of, I'm a fucking major Batman villain, and I've been doing this shit forever. Maybe I get tired of getting punched in the face by Batman. Like, this was Mysterio's bit. And again, like, the most somewhat interesting thing he ever did was, and he said it himself, the funniest bit about that was he goes, I've stolen my final act from Craven the Hunter. And, you know, killed himself at the end of that story. But I was like, yo, that's the best thing you ever did, Mysterio. Like, good for you. Yeah. And he did it in a Daredevil book, because he's like, I'm not going to fucking beat Spider-Man. But I could probably fuck up Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the nature of, of these rogues galleries also mean that you can kind of get this fun recontextualization. I mean, sometimes it's in a family mm-hmm. situation where you look at how how the Joker is interacted with, for example, uh, Jason Todd versus how he interacts with Batman. Mm-hmm. Like with Jason Todd, it's uh, it, it is a very direct vengeful kind of relationship where one of them is mad about having been murdered yep. uh but but with batman it's actually kind of like a shutdown point for him of like oh no i couldn't save him you know i'm a failure not i am personally slighted which you know that's also kind of interesting right there as far as the psychology of batman goes mm-hmm. and that's that's the whole idea of okay let's this is part i thought i've had for a while is 
I've said I've said it over and over again that we should not still be hearing stories about Batman, right? And but what? Is, how does the story of Batman end? Does it end with mm. him retiring? Does it end with him dying? What? Because there's a thing like a big part of Batman's story is his villains. So let's say you know what we're gonna fucking close the book on all of these motherfuckers, like all of them. Let's be real. You're gonna close the book on the important ones, and you know so. Let us, as yeah. the editorial team, assuming, figure out who the important ones are. How long will it take to give each one of them, like a six issue arc, to you know have a meaningful, important story, and then be done with them? And then, yeah, then at the and end in, of it, in some cases, you kind of don't need to, because one of the other things about some of these characters is because the rogues gallery requires them, their own stories are static. Mister mm-hmm. Freeze, Mister Freeze has been around now for going on 45 years and in universe obviously the continuity of it's a little wobbly but hypothetically how long could his wife possibly be in a coma she's been crouching you know man science i can rock with that how long can he fucking like yo dude i mean okay you know comic book time right like maybe this has been 10 years of his life but like dude it's been 10 years you suck at the thing just let it go yeah yeah you're not gonna do it yeah you're bad at it (laughs) Like actual medical research would be uh, would be done by now. Yeah. Right. Like you're, you're actually slower. Like the whole the whole reason he went to crime is because he couldn't wait for the man's version of the right way to do things to save his wife. Except it's been uh, forty to ten years. So <laughs> exactly how long? Yeah. Or you know you could do a nice story where she actually gets saved and you know and then that he cool, then yeah he fucking goes okay he then immediately goes to double jail because he just spent the past twenty years doing crimes but whatever you know what he'd probably be happy she'd come and she'd visit him in his little tank and he's like oh he's like yo you're alive this is what I was all about I got resolved you know I was I was fixed this is the equivalent yep. of me being shot right and, and, and you missed a bunch of stuff honey. Uh, we're gonna have to catch up. You, um, this is a phone. This is texting. We're gonna be doing a lot of that. And, uh, don't ask about Jersey Shore. <laughs> but, like, it's fucking Craven the Hunter. Mm. That is not a Spider-Man villain. Like... Though, though, again, he does, he does actually have, um, one of those elements of Spider-Man amped up in the wrong way. So, you know, I can rock that. It, the thing is, the best... Craven the Hunter story was when he died. Yeah. And then they wanted to bring him back and be like, do what? Oh, I'm gonna hunt <laughs> Spider-Man again. Yeah, that's the one thing you do. It was barely interesting the first time. Hmm. <laughs> well, again, to use that to use that analogy point that the best Spider-Man villains are Spider-Man, sorry, are, are basically Spider-Man amped up in the wrong way. Spider-Man, uh, the, the element of Spider-Man that Craven is meant to do, meant, meant to reflect, is the animalistic connection to nature, i.e. Spidey sense, which, you know, is one of the least explicable things about Spider-Man and that we don't want to really look at too hard because it's goofy. Everything, talent, so you don't know this clearly, everything about the time Craven returned and everything that involving him after is about Web of Life shit. Ah, uh, no! Right. No! It's like, hey... Clearly, this character has going to do like no fuck. Off. Go be a Black Panther villain. <laughs> Go make meaningful social commentary or some shit with a tiny he's a cold book over there, motherfucker. Because you're a weird ass Spider Man villain. <laughs> and I like Craven, but he's so fucking weird. 
I well, there's also the idea that everything in moderation, and a good rogues gallery lets you do things in moderation, which is one of the reasons why Batman doesn't actually have that good a rogues gallery. Mm. I, uh, again, Two Face, uh, let me see, Two Face, Riddler, Choker, um, like there's, I guess those three are, and Penguin, right, and sometimes Killer Croc, depending on if people want to put clothes on him, you know, those you got five weird face mobster dudes, right? Yep. Then you got. Um, uh, you got Rajal Ghul, who at this point is just too big to be part, to be stuck in that one myth. Oh God, man! Like uh, I would, lo- I kind of wish that that one episode of Arrow had succeeded in like divorcing Roz from uh, from Batman because they they like they they took the whole like the head of the demon like story of how I want you to become the next Rajal Ghul, and they gave it to Ali, and I'm like, mm, you know what? I might fu- I might could fuck with this just because. Again, like, the most interesting villains Ollie's ever had are, like, other, like, weapon specialists and, like, experts and assassins, you know, Shadow, Merlin. Those are good moments. You know, his occasional, like, beefs with Deathstroke. Those are cool. Deadshot. Deadshot is a Batman villain, but, like, why? Deadshot's a Deadpool villain. Like, I know he doesn't actually belong there, but, like, <laughs> as far as actual utility in a story, the most interesting stories you can get out of Deadshot are professionalism and mercenary-based. Mm-hmm. You need someone on the same side of the fence as him who has a professional beef with him, because Deadshot versus... Like, the whole point of Deadshot is Deadshot can kill anyone with a gun. So every single threat, every single person he threatens needs to be someone who can be threatened with a gun. And if you can be threatened with a gun... When someone threatens you with a gun and they can kill you with a gun, they'll just kill you. Like, Deadshot needs to exist in a space where the target or the subject of what he's doing isn't important compared to why he's doing it or how he's doing it. So, this- it works best if you've got yourself a really angry co-worker or something like that. So everything in, you know, classic suicides. All of Deadshot's, like, everything yep. came from Suicide Squad material. Like... Te- yeah, 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 Flag. Oh my god, of course, Flag is basically the perfect foil for Deadshot. Flag and, Her- <laughs> Flag and Bronze Tiger and Amanda Waller and those characters are fucking... And again, he's fine, but he's technically, uh, you know, a Batman villain. And like at this point, he's more of a protagonist in that regard because you get your own books and you're in your... You know, at a certain point, you move out of that space, right? And again, like you look at the people around, like in sort of the core Suicide Squad, it's Flag, it's Waller, it's Bronze Tiger, it's it's Captain Boomerang, and it's Deadshot. Like that's the Suicide Squad. And then there's all these other motherfuckers. Mm. Those are all characters who are like on some level in that like like angle of professionalism and being a warrior and being you know a murderer and all that shit. Like yeah, different. And that's that is the like those are the people in the Suicide Squad who are always there. And then you have the floaters who come in and out or die to make you know. <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> but like, just imagine them all wearing uh, lavender suits. Oh god. The the uh, and, and by the way, an example of a character whose structure does not allow for a rogues gallery, and the same reason why Deadshot doesn't belong with one. Uh, it, sorry, it doesn't belong in the way he's being used in one, is uh, the Punisher. Because mm. the Punisher kills everyone. Yeah, yeah. Now, like, of course, the Punisher isn't a superhero, so it's not necessarily the same thing. But he operates in that same space and in that same function, you know, a lot of the time. And yeah. it's that whole thing of, um, you know, 
it, it, like it, like the existence of a rogues gallery for the Punisher, and he does have one again, like Bushwhacker and um yeah Bushwhacker. Look at that motherfucker with his dumb like penis gun arm thing. Uh, I'm reasonably certain Bushwhacker is an escaped Moon Knight fantasy. <laughs> No, you got Bushwhacker. Like, you got I, a... I'm pretty sure Moon Knight dreamed up Bushwhacker, and that's why he's in a different world. <laughs> no, no, no. He's, there's Bushwhacker, there's fucking uh, uh, Barracuda, who's just a large, scary black man. There's fucking... Um, Comfortable. Jigsaw. Uh, there's a couple more, too. But, like, they come and go. It's like, fuck these guys. Like, actually, fuck these guys. They're not that interesting. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> On second thoughts, fuck this. <laughs> But, um, yeah, like that, right? And then you look at a character like, let's say, like, Luke Cage, who kind of, uh, like, Luke Cage most definitely has a rose gallery, but, like, I'd rather him, like, import others. Like, this has been common to see them pair him against Tombstone a lot, and I fucking love that. Because, A, Mm. you know, Tombstone is very similar to all of Luke Cage's other villains, but he's also just, like, also Luke Cage, kind of, you know? He's got the stone-hard skin, he's, look, he just looks weird, right? It's almost like Captain America versus the Red Skull, where they have the exact same shit going on, but they can meet each other on that equivalent level. And also, just, if anybody's ever seen Spectacular Spider-Man, where Keith Richards, I mean, Keith David, voiced Tombstone, and Tombstone was, he replaced the Kingpin, and it was fucking amazing. Y'all should all watch that cartoon. But, just, I'm putting that out there, because y'all need to know. <laughs> yeah. Mm, but, no. I trust you on this one. Th- again, like, that gives Tombstone something to do. That gives Luke Cage something to do besides fight a guy in, like, a dumb suit every once in a while. It's just, no, actually, here's these characters that can, you know, bounce off of each other reasonably. And uh, David Walker did that, a lot of that. And his uh, Power Man and Iron Fist and his later Luke Cage. Well, actually, I think. But during the Power Man and Iron Fist stuff. And, uh, again, besides the jokes that apparently Tombstone has this, like, fucking weird whisper, angry voice. And nobody can understand what the fuck he's saying. Like, <laughs> Like, yo, he was, mm. he was whispering really loud, man. He must have been pissed off. <laughs> that was a good, like, point. Like, and I would, I would pair those characters off any day of the week, right? It's the same with, like, Blockbuster or uh, putting, you know, Blockbuster and Nightwing. And that Blockbuster is a Nightwing villain. And Blockbuster's, I mean, Nightwing's rogues gallery is weird. Like, like there was a lot of, like, thug Burke guys who were hired by Blockbuster who were, that's part of his gallery. And not a lot of, like, independent just people floating through right you can consider like tarantula or like the like the alternate like like the dumb nightwing like that crazy asshole kid as Mm. part of his gallery well i mean at at this point you're now dealing with characters you kind of have to double check and look up (laughs) yeah Yeah, but so you have to you have to kind of wonder about like can a rogues gallery carry its own identity again like spider-man villains can do that batman villains can do that yep Flash villains can do that. Superman villains can almost do that, but they're all so disconnected from one another that it's kind of easy to forget about a bunch of the ones who are ostensibly very important. I'd argue that part of that is, like, he's, like, outside media presence, where Mm. it's always the same two motherfuckers, right? Like, we're not... Chances are we're not going to see a movie version of Brainiac. And so, like, everybody else in the world is not going to have this strong Brainiac association. Like, you say Superman, I say... Lex Luthor, Brainiac, Bizarro, you know, um, uh, Zod. Whereas these days it's Zod and Luthor. And that's it, right? But, like, 
it's there's there there. There's a whole lot of fucking there there, right? Like fucking yeah. the real question is like you know you have Metallo, you have Brainiac, you have Parasite, you have all these ones. Like what? You have a lot of really interesting ideas, by the way, because they had to take a lot of time to come up with interesting stuff for Superman to do. Yeah, yeah. Like fucking Parasite is a fucking Parasite fight would be entertaining on its own, especially like you know with a big stupid budget. Because we've seen cool parasite fights in, like, the comics and the cartoons, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, you can't punch. That's the thing you literally cannot physically punch. What do, Clark? Mm. You know? That's the also thing, right? These are challenges that are supposed to be presented to be interesting, right, to the villain. But, like, how many times are they interesting, right? How many times can we watch, like, Batman, like, cut the tube on Bane's thing over and over again? Because that's always the thing, Mm -hmm. right? How many times are we going to watch, like, Spider-Man taunt Rhino and then jump out of the way? Uh, yeah. This is part of the whole, the story should have ended by now sort of thing. And, again, that's where all these, like, extra motherfuckers are on the sides. And, like, if you, if there's a guy in the big, like, in the top echelon of this character's rogues gallery who does the same thing, again, there's someone else out there who can present a better challenge to you. Just make sure it's not a cloak. He'll just fucking eat you. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you remember, um... Batman the Animated Series was actually kind of uh, a really interesting and rife one with this problem because it ran along long enough that you got to see a lot of different villains, but they didn't always recur. And when they did recur, they sometimes recurred with huge gaps between them. So they weren't, you know, repeating stories and you didn't get the the revolving door effect uh, of various different, um, you know, of Arkham and, and, and Gotham Jail. Um but when you got when you got to look at a lot of Batman villains like that, you started to realize how many of them were super similar. Like, um, what's the name of the dummy? I can't remember. Scarface. Sorry. Scarface. Scarface. <laughs> and the and the ventriloquist. Ventriloquist has Scarface. Right. Right. Sorry. The thing is, uh, we're obviously not in the same room, listener. You know, just revealing a little information there, and. uh it chose the exact moment Clay said Scar each time to glitch out. So he just said, face. Face. <laughs> face. <laughs> but, like, okay. I, but, was, but was glitch me wrong, though? But was glitch me wrong? <laughs> face, face. <laughs> what is he, though? What is he, though, but just a monster whose, like, gimmick is, my puppet has a weird face. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Well, I mean, and in that case, he's basically just a crime boss. Yeah. He, he's basically just a gangster who's who's got a gimmick in the same vein as Captain Boomerang. Yeah. So, you know, no harm, no foul. That's not a problem. It's just a thing. Uh, and then you have on the other side of that exact same thing, the Penguin, who is a weird-looking gangster. <laughs> and that's pretty much all he's got going on, too. And I get that that's part of the thing, like someone can write the same character differently because like sometimes joker is a weird looking gangster right like it's like yep. jack nicholson kind of played him like that right but then sometimes joker is a fucking weird ass terrorist and like okay that that puts and, you in different and, and most of the time when joker is doing what people think of as being jokery he's doing it as a direct byproduct of obsession with batman specifically <laughs> You know, the, I, I, I sometimes feel like there was an enormous amount of damage done to Joker's brand by the, uh, by the Nolan movies because the moment of him setting off a giant pile of money on fire is a kind of character defining moment that a lot of hacks are gonna keep returning to because it was such a cool moment. I say every day and night, uh, Keith Ledger did a great thing, right? Great performance, great character. That character is not the Joker. 
right? I hate to hear... And I, is, I'm perfectly willing to say it's that universe's Joker, but go on. It's the sense that, like... And this people do this, and this is not even new, but I hate when they do it, where, like, they give Joker, like, a greater, like, philosophical point, you know? Like, the, jo- the kind of mm. Joker who makes speeches. And I was like, mmm. He does shit because it's funny, man. Like, 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 the more you, like, again, the more you keep trying to, like, redo the killing joke, it's like, ah, man, it's that shit because it's funny. Like, it's awful, but... Yeah. And, like, the more you try to... And, and, and of course, the Dark Knight specifically runs into the problem where they get the right dialogue to come out of the Joker's mouth, but the world and the thing he's doing do not back that up at all. Mm. Because you've got, you know, do I look like a guy with a plan? Yes. Yes, you do. You told us about your plan. You absolutely do. <laughs> you have bombs rigged all across this hospital. Uh, you coordinated this guy arriving in this particular location. You have a nurse's uniform that you've had on hand. You're walking around with a detonator in your pocket. Yeah, you've got a plan, and it is a huge plan, and it is ridiculous. <laughs> That's that whole thing, right? But, again, this is part of the, like, greater... Because, again, we have... They had to tell a Joker story, right? And they have every... You can't... People don't want to be able to tell a Batman story without a Joker story, right? Yeah. That's the that's how it goes. They're so naturally tied to each other. We're going to get those two, regardless, like, forever. And in, uh, and in that way, when you are trying to tell a story about Batman, because the rogues gallery represents this already constructed, already quite strong library of people who reflect something about the main character, if you want to make a Batman movie, you you kind of, like, serve yourself ill if you do not go to the rogues gallery, if you don't go to one of the big characters. And, like, Dark Knight did a pretty smart thing by grabbing three of them. Right, right. Well, four if we're counting... I mean, how, how much do we count? I guess five if we're counting the bad Talia, you know? Yeah, I, I was I was saying uh, the first one, Dark Knight Rises. Oh yeah, cause... sorry, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, <sighs> my bad. Begins. No, I was I was mixing up. Oh, sorry, the Dark Knight, the one with Rajel Ghul and Scarecrow. No, that's and... that's Batman Begins. Remember the first? The yeah, only Batman the first Begins. one had the word Batman in it. Yeah, <laughs> funny. Because because we're embarrassed of the word Batman, I guess. Right, but um, who, who wants to associate with one of the most well loved and well established comic book characters in history? Ugh, mm-hmm. Weirdos. But right, no, the whole that they had a. Are we actually counting Falcone like as a major kind of kind well yeah and and in that regard there's a flaw there in that the character wasn't really used it was just kind of a name drop so it's no, kind I of mean, a waste I don't even mean that I mean like even in the comics Falcone showed up like Falcone only exists in like year 1 and in some of the Jeff Loeb Tim Sale books and then he's gone like he didn't show up again Yeah we, he's like almost like a plot but, like a background detail he's like a bit of lore more so than he is like I mean, again, this goes back to the idea that are you actually in the rogues gallery just because you fought Batman a couple times, right? Yeah, and and I mean, I was I I was considering Falcone to be part of the rogues gallery, not because he's a particularly good character, but because he is a detail because he reflects a thing of Batman, which is to say, he is someone who's decided the order of the world doesn't work the right way, so he goes out at night and changes the order of the world through the means that he thinks are acceptable and necessary. I don't know. Well, just... Falcone Falcone does talk about ideals of loyalty and respect, which is you know silly but it's still something it, it's still principle even if it's ridiculously applied and inappropriately placed and in that regard he has something in common with batman and you know i think too much about this kind of stuff i like this stuff no no you. i mean 
this this is the idea of is a mobster changing the world or like acting within the shitty world that he's in because you know yeah that's well I'm... he is changing the world to a world which in which he is less poor <laughs> i don't know uh mm. The idea, like, but last check, Falcone like, was part of like the founding of the big organized crime family, yeah, so no, that's why like, I always thought of him as like connected to the associate, you know, changing uh, the world. But yes, you, you make a point. No, no, but you're not. Even, I don't know. I've, I've never considered. That's again. That's me. My like, I consider certain characters to be open more, just because. Yeah. Know, again, like this, the whole kite man conversation we had. Or it's like, are you in there? And again, he's dead. Like as of most of Batman's life, Falcone has been like gone. Like yeah. So I don't know. It's like um Jake Chill, doesn't doesn't really count. Right, they're kind of like that, right? Like like eh, I don't know, but yeah. So even still, we would still have like five who are for real. Like no, these are major Batman characters. And then there's also like reoccurring antagonists who are, like do we even count? Like Catwoman is she a <clears throat> is she a member of his rose gallery or she is like a supporting cat? Is she a member of the Bat family? You know what I'm saying? Even though she- I would argue she's both. That depends on how much of a villain some people think that, you know, she is. Yeah, well, the the funny thing with Batman is specifically is that Batman doesn't actually have, uh... Batman villains are not the same thing as va- as Batman's opponents. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I, uh, I, I feel is a very important detail when it comes to characters like Catwoman. Because kind of the point of Catwoman is to ask the question... Why is your why is your criminality okay and my criminality not? Like she mostly does stuff to advance herself and to make herself feel better and to get revenge on people who are jerks. And Batman, like they're both they're both the same stuff. They both break into people's homes and take stuff. And it's just that Batman's is framed as heroic, whereas hers is framed as criminal. Yeah, and that's that's the same thing with. Here's the thing, like like black and funny black hat and Catwoman have both like taken turns of like no we're going full villain today right and they have both yeah because they're the same you know in a lot of the ways they're the same character they've also both gone we're gonna be crime bosses now right i guess both a thing yeah and roughly the same time frame like yeah <laughs> between like 2012 yep, yep, yep. and now they've all like d- both done that you know this actually really really frustrates me because i feel that uh the characters should be really different, and they should feel really different, and to me, they do. But I, every time someone brings them up as an example, I can't help but say, yeah, they kind of are the same person. It's so fucking weird. Dang it. But, like... Because, <laughs> okay, so so what's what's the central coda of Spider-Man? Like, what's the sentence that sums up the moral framework of his universe? I'm so fucking tired of saying it. I'm not gonna. Like, I'm tired of... You're not gonna give me that on record? Nope. It's just a sentence that I've always wanted to hear from you. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> Alright, fine. So it's it's with great power comes no, great responsibility. No, 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 you're wrong. It's an emissary from hell. Supaidaman! <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go in on Toku soon, I swear. Um, but uh, the, the, the thing with Spider-Man is his is a story about responsible use of power. Whereas Batman's story is about appropriate violations of law. Like, the whole point behind the bat signal and the fact that he's not a cop, but he's his own thing, is because the law doesn't do 
what he needs it to do. So he is already operating outside of the law, and the questions are then about, you know, what's appropriate. He is very much famed as being uh, a, a law and order kind of character. And this, this again, gets us back into the Ta-Nehisi Coates subject about, you know, the, the question of law versus order and so on. But the basics of it is that Batman is a character who cares about who, who, who recognizes the value of the law, but breaks it because his personal judgment is acceptable and it's okay. So Catwoman is the one who says, well, why is that Black okay Ed. and Black mine Ed. not? Black Ed. Black Ed. No, 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 Catwoman in, in the case of Batman. Oh, yeah, but you were just talking about Spider-Man. You're doing it. To oh, did I seriously say spider signal when I was talking about... <laughs> God damn it. No, uh, uh, Batman is the character who cares about law and order, and uh, Spider-Man cares about personal responsibility. Like, Spider-Man's whole framework is, I'm going to Spider's man because Spider-Manning is the thing I feel personally responsible to do. Like, I feel that that's my obligation. Whereas Batman's about appropriate violations of law. So, in the context of Batman, Catwoman isn't... Uh, Catwoman's question is, why is your violation of the law acceptable and my violation of the law of things like trespass, breaking and entering, uh, violation of information boundaries and whatnot? Why is that okay for Batman, but not okay for me? And it's, this is one of the reasons why Catwoman's case, a lot of what she does is violations, violations of the law in the context of revenge. So that's the usual, like, the easiest way to say, okay, what Batman's doing is okay, because he's doing it for a greater purpose, and you're doing it for a selfish purpose. So that's usually the simple argument. Whereas in the case of Black Cat, Black Cat is not responsible. She is using her powers, and in her case, usually her power is just a willingness to do what she's doing. So she's not actually using a lot of power, but she's using it to satisfy herself. And the question is, why shouldn't I? So they're, they're two very different questions, and they frame stories in very different ways. But when you get down to it, they're also both super hot, roguey, villainy, bad girls who we can draw the hero with in, in compromising positions and then blame it all on her fucking with him. So that's like, I don't know, that's not, I mean, again, your villains are like like just story pieces you can just insert into it, you know? You have... You know, Scarecrow, you put him into a thing, he's going to do Scarecrow shit. You have Killer Croc, he's going to do this. You have Catwoman, he's going to do this. I don't know if you know if we're in a position right now where we could... Like you said earlier, you know, if you have a story about a bomb and, you know, Batman has to defuse it, and you could put anybody in that position and the things around the story would change, but they could still be in that place. I don't think you can put Catwoman in that place anymore. Not now. It'd be weird if you just put Catwoman yeah. into the middle of that bomb story. Or Black Cat into the middle of that bomb story. It just doesn't shake out you know i don't know if they're even in both oh. anymore That's what I oh no 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 you see the Catwoman having a bomb story at the center of a thing suddenly batman has to ask the question of wait why is she doing this why would she do this and you have a mystery story that centers on why is Catwoman doing this incredibly out of character thing and then oh I, she must be sending a message there must be a signal to this and suddenly so, so the character of that existing rogue entity in his life gives you a, a story space to work in like, you know you can you can do it mm, i mean but then you could also just do that with fucking robin right well yeah absolutely but then you wouldn't get to put robin's butt on the cover well i don't know i say what, that apparently orga's boobs have just fucked up your whole brain because you're sitting here like 
<laughs> no, I, I, I mean, uh, sp- specifically, I mean the, uh, the narrative of, um, uh, of Catwoman as someone he doesn't know he can trust or have a pre, pre anticipated plan. So there's, you know, so the story then becomes about trying to understand what she's doing or why, or is it in aid of something else or who, who, who to trust? Do I trust her? There's all sorts of stuff there. Mm-hmm. But you are right. It, it isn't. It, it would be weird. Yeah, it, it's it's not. Again, it's even still. It's a different sort of story than if you put the Joker in there. Or it's absolutely. It's an entirely different angle. Like it's it doesn't. It's not a story that you're supposed to take at face value. You know. Yeah. It, Though at the same time, the part part of the problem here is that all the rogues gallery are not necessarily going to approach the same thing. Like Killer Croc's not going to set up a bomb in the middle of a location. Mm-hmm. For sure. But the trick, really? No, but here's the, the trick about that is, right? You, if he did it, you wouldn't deny that he did it versus if Catwoman did it, you'd be like, there's got to be some other shit going on, right? Yeah, exactly. True. <laughs> like, if, 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 it, you know, if, if, if Killer Croc did it, then it would be this whole plot about how somebody made Killer Croc smart, you know, with like smart juice. And like, oh shit, now Killer Croc's a genius. Or, like, it wouldn't, you know. Or to quote, quote from Fox, I ate the smart kids. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man. Smart kids are delicious. Yep. That's why I don't have any. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Damn, uh, I'm going to anyway. my sister. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is that a rogues gallery is kind of a very complicated uh, story library, mm. and you could do a lot of different stuff with it. Um, but in a lot of cases, especially with the really big ones, it kind of would well serve us to retire some of the bigger names and let some of the older ones come forward. Well, again, you can either get rid of some of the you can get rid of some of the big names. You can take some of the small names and put them somewhere they belong, you know. Or you can just start using them as plot points to end the overall story of your main character. Because, like, would you all right, would you follow a Batman story after like, okay, we've gotten rid of all the major villains. We are never going to tell a story about any major villain again or make a new major villain. It's huh? Just, think about it. 30 minutes every week of Batman fighting random thugs. Oh, yeah, no. No, right? Because it's funny, because, like, that is a thing we assume happens off-panel, and we come into it halfway as we prepare for the important thing to happen, right? And, and, and for what it's worth, Batman the Animated Series actually had a couple of episodes that were, you know, Batman fights random thugs because the problem was things like Batman's ability to sleep or Batman's uh, emotional state, and it wasn't being handled in reflection to a villain, it was being handled in reflection to Alfred. Mm. So, I mean, you can do it. Just, it's not the regular diet. Don't do it all the time. Mm -hmm. The context of that is, hey, here's an interesting diversion from what you expected. Not, no, this is the story now. This is it. Yeah, you're right. At that point, his story's over, really. But I mean, there are there are per, there are some characters who can indeed carry their own stories without a rogues gallery to draw from. But yeah, they usually have to be characters who are kind of screw ups. Though. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's, yeah, like almost. Like I immediately went, oh, the Punisher, oh, Deadpool, oh, oh, wait, no, that's not good. Those aren't good examples. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a you know a parody or a deconstruction. You can run that, but like yeah, just telling the story straight, just telling a normal superhero story or of any kind. Once you run out of major names, you're kind of done, right? Yeah. And you can, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. You could say, we're going to run through the major names and then be done. And then stop, you know, publishing these books, making these shows, doing these movies. That's also the thing about, like, film, right? Because even though film has become much more serialized, we're still in this place where film is somewhat self-contained, right? 
Yeah, there's going to be, like, five Avengers movies, really. They're not going to do, like, infinite ones. Right. But even, I mean, just a movie as an entity in and of itself has a yeah. certain degree of, like... It needs to have an end. Right. Uh, well, we're gonna we'll see. Some movies don't. Well, happen. that's 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 actually one of the problems that I feel I have with Men of Steel and uh, Dawn of Justice, mm. which I have actually bothered to watch all of now, uh, because both of them are so invested in making sure you know that oh, there's 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 more. We're gonna finish. We, we, you know, we we've got to save plot for later. Right. No, finish your damn story. That's the difference between like film and television. That's fine on TV. That's fine in a monthly book. It's fine in a web series, you know, or like... It's fine in a weekly series, too. Yeah, it's not what you want in film. The film kind of, again, that's why I say, when you have the, like, sort of capital S superheroes who have rose galleries, film doesn't serve them as well if you're going to adapt. If you must take it out of, you know, A media and bring it into B, film is not the way to go because it doesn't work with the sort of story they're telling. Mm. Because you also want that, like, as much as I say, you know... Batman dealing with random nobodies is not a story you want to hear. You still want that, like, lining in the middle to, like, keep things, you know, open and keep things fresh. And to give us the impression that he is, in fact, fighting crime and not just the Joker every day, right? Because if if you watch the Batman show and it was just ten straight episodes of him fighting people with names that you know every episode, that would, A, diminish those characters to a certain degree if they're always just being solved one episode gone, they'd be Power Rangers monsters. You know, you set mm. them up, knock them down. You want you want the idea that he's doing stuff, and then he encounters this tougher problem than ever before. So you and you get the impression that he's fighting crime by showing him dealing with it. You know, and the beginning and ends of the story. Right, we open up with him. You know, chasing a burglar, and the burglar drops a thing, and it has a little smiley face on it, and now we have to deal with that. You know, and that opens up this big plot. And you have yeah. these, you know, random issues that are just him, you know, chasing down this one nobody serial killer guy. And that makes us feel like being Batman is a job and not just a series of tasks, you know? Yeah. And, and it has a, it has a, uh, it also gets to diminish the, uh, the, the, the time span of Batman is also part of the problem there. And you get the whole, why have you been punching poor people for 40 years and we haven't actually had anything fixed? And the answer to that is, shut up, it's been less than two years because that's how the time in this thing works. But, mm. yeah, it, it is a really rough challenge to try and uh, to try and solve. And rogues galleries... Um, rogues galleries are, I feel, a really good thing. Like, if you can... Re- like, as, as, a, as a piece of advice for superhero roleplay, like, if you're building a little superhero universe for you and your friends... Work on a rogues gallery. You know, get get yourself, if you can, like, sit down and write out ten basic ideas about the characters in the group, and then go, alright, now how would I make a, a, a bad character based on that? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's, that's what a lot of superhero rogues galleries are now. Like, power and responsibility is a central theme of Spider-Man. Once you notice that, how many characters... In Spider-Man, are science? How many how, how many of his villains are in some way people who, thanks to science, have a lot of power and they're not using it well? I I gotta. This is the thing that you 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 personally probably noticed me like popping in and out of champions a lot more these days. Fucking mm-hmm. for all the things that game does good and bad, the fucking nemesis system as hey, build your own rose gallery and they'll just be out there. Yeah. And sometimes they'll send shit to fuck with you, and that's great. Yeah. You know? You have no control over it. You know what? I should give that a shot now. Now now I'm thinking about that. I should totally go do that. It, it, 
At least to do the Rose Gallery thing. And also that I can, like, carry around and show you my dumb little dolls and throw them at you. <laughs> I love you. I love playing dolls with you. You're great. <laughs> but no, just that... that we are is... both very cool, very tough guys. <laughs> just so you know. Yes, yes. So anyway, have you guys seen my action figures lately? These are amazing, right? And by the way, if anybody <laughs> finds that, like, that fucking awesome-ass Tron, I have a homeboy who calls me up. He's like, yo, I found it in this Walmart. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. On on a on a related note, if anyone out there likes altering figures, uh, uh, I happen to want to commission a vault tiger for Clay. <laughs> <laughs> call me. <laughs> all right, all right. So, uh, did you have any finals? Oh man, uh, yeah. I do feel like part of the like capital S, as I keep saying, superhero narrative is to have a, uh, a good rose gallery. And if you want something to take off, you want to start building towards that. Have that thought process. Because, like, that lets that character come back. Not only that, but if you're making sort of, like, a major superhero narrative where someone else can pick it up, if they can pick it up and they know what the pieces are, then they can keep that going in a way that makes it feel consistent, right? Because characters who haven't had a lot mm. of story and a lot of narrative around them and their villains tend to get, like, written and rewritten and changed back and forth a lot because... Uh, these are as much as they're like antagonistic they're still relationships right and we're defined by a relationship this is part of the thing where like wonder woman goes back and forth and there's at least three like accepted versions of wonder woman because she's got like four strong major villains everybody goes to and like two of them are kind of vague like you got aries and he's fucking aries he does aries shit you know war or... yeah well you know ultimate public domain supervillain. right you got cheetah you got um giganta and Cersei, maybe. There you go. Mm. Run with that. And you have two characters who are just the most, like, archetypical archetypes, literally, ever. You have the trickster, and you have just the, the big, more fight guy. And then you have those other two, and they just kind of do stuff. Of course, a lot of the constant rebooting of Wonder Woman is just, like, lack of faith by the publisher and a thing that was working just fine. So there's also that. You know? Yeah, and there's a, there's a certain degree of, like, social politics as well. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. But, man, that's some wild shit. <laughs> ah, Alright, folks. Uh, I, I got, like, five minutes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that was Clay. We didn't mention Blade. Bye! <laughs> We're making progress. We're making progress. <laughs>